The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones that you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little bit more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com Florio and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash Florio, F-L-O-R-I-O. Thanks for your help. little handshake action between Aaron Rodgers and Sauce Gardner. Oh, man. They're working it all out. Man. They're ashing it, ashing it on his shoulder and his head. How dare they? Let's let's see it again. I like it. A little touch of the pointer finger. Exchange some smoking paraphernalia. Now put it That's down on your That's what I thought teammate. that was. <laughs> That's what I thought that was. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Now I know why Pete said Chris would like that. Right. That's, you That's can't smoke ayahuasca, okay. right? So they don't smoke. They're not smoking that. They're smoking the old Mary Jane, or I mean, I don't know. Those two don't look or like peyote. tobacco smokers. Peyote, just marble. Do you smoke peyote? Uh, I think I don't know. Do you smoke mushrooms? What do you do with mushrooms? I think you. How eat do you know mushrooms? that a mushroom is mushrooms? just like a? How do you know that a mushroom? Like, how do you tell the difference between a mushroom that you get on pizza and a mushroom that is going to cause you to have some sort of a psychedelic trip? What's the difference? That's, that's... And how do you also make sure it's not a mushroom that's going to kill you? Isn't the mushroom like this fascinating thing? Like, some of them are very good to eat. Some of them will mess you up and give you these mind-bending experiences, and others will just kill you. It's, it's just, it's so. What other, what other food is like that? Or what other thing is like that where there's different varieties, some will kill you and some are tasty and some will put you on a trip like LSD, I guess. I, I, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, pizza in my ear going like certain berries maybe are like that, right? Where they could be yeah. really good. Some are poisonous, whatever there. But yeah, mushroom, I, that, that's one. I don't want it on my pizza. I don't want it in my salad. You know, and yeah, I don't really want to mess with anything mushroom altogether, really. that, that That's kind of how my isn't stance it, is. Isn't it sad to think that you know, years and years and years ago, people died to help us understand which berries will kill you and which mushrooms will kill you. I mean, that's the ultimate banana in the tailpipe trick by God. He puts all these plants out there, but some of them, oh, if you eat them, it'll kill you. Sorry. Sorry about that one. Eat the other one. That one, no, don't eat that one. Eat the other one. Uh, but yeah, people died because at some point we didn't know. Which berries will kill you, and then uh, I guess we found out. Okay, I don't know how we got off on that <laughs> tangent, but we'll bring it back. We'll bring it back to Aaron Rodgers. Here is, and Chris, you weren't here no. on Friday Damn. when we spent a lot of time talking Damn. about Sean Payton's comments about Nathaniel Hackett, and also Payton took a flamethrower to his own organization. I mean, that thing had layers and oh, levels man. of intrigue. He, he eviscerated everybody. Peyton met with reporters on Friday and admitted a mistake. We'll talk more about that as well. Here's Aaron Rodgers from Sunday. Training camp tour, NFL Plus, which I don't know anyone has NFL Plus. So if you had NFL Plus and you happen to have it on yesterday, you would have seen Aaron Rodgers being interviewed and not being asked about Sean Payton's comments, but still sharing his thoughts about Sean Payton anyway. Yeah, I love Nathaniel Hackett in... Those comments were very surprising. Um, 
to, for a coach to do that to another coach. My love for Hack goes deep. You know, we had uh, some great years together in Green Bay. Kept in touch. Um, love him and his family. He's an incredible family man, incredible dad. And on the field, you know, he's arguably my favorite coach I've ever had in the NFL. Just his approach to it, how he makes it fun, uh, how he cares about the guys, uh, just how he goes about his business with respect, with leadership, with honesty, with integrity. And it made me feel bad that someone who's accomplished a lot in the league is that insecure that they have to take another man down to set themselves up for some sort of easy fall if it doesn't go well for that team this year. I thought it was way out of line and appropriate, and I think he needs to keep uh, my coach's names out of his mouth. As I mentioned on the throw, I wasn't sure whether or not the question was going to be there. He was specifically told, I'm not going to ask you about Sean Payton's comments. Tell me about your relationship with Nathaniel Hackett. So Rodgers said something that he came there wanting to say. Because he had an easy way to not say a thing about Sean Payton. To not go there. He took it there. Despite the setup being, I'm not going to ask you about Sean Payton's comments. Why wouldn't Rogers you share his no, thoughts? I was a little confused by that. I don't understand that. But okay. I, hey, maybe it's 4D chess, and it's a way to get him to talk about it. Maybe that's how you have to deal with Aaron Rodgers. You tell him not, I'm not going to ask you about the comments, and, and and when you say that, he'll actually talk about the comments. But regardless, you know, he mentioned the thing that has become the prevailing narrative within the Jets that that they think Payton did what he did because he knows it's going to be a crap show in Denver this year, and he's setting up the excuse in advance. That's their theory. To the extent that there was anything strategic about what Peyton did, because remember, remember, the media rushed to defend Peyton after those comments came out, and it was almost like talking points that were put out there by the Broncos. It was Sean weird. Peyton doesn't do anything that isn't deliberate or intentional. He has a reason for everything he does. He has a method to everything that he says and every decision he makes, and it's always strategic and it's always deliberate. And I said this Friday, and I wrote about it after the show. Folks, it's possible he just made a mistake. And that's what he said on Friday. I made a mistake. So, you know, even the best of them that have plans and strategies, they're still human beings and they're prone to a human moment. And that's ultimately what happened with Peyton. So, and even with that explanation, it wasn't good enough for Rodgers. Rodgers still felt compelled to come off the top rope with the elbow over what Peyton had said about Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah, he's got to. Of course, he should, Right. I mean, I don't know. I mean, if somebody said something like that about about you, I mean, I, I'd, I'd take the same approach. No matter how much respect I got for the other guy, whatever that. It was a low blow. It was unnecessary. It was reckless. There's a lot of other adjectives you could use as well, right? And then that's where I, I don't understand it. First off, it's just a no-no in the NFL. I don't get that. Right. And then, you know, I understand. First off, I thought it was weird. Yeah. There, there were so many people in the media and everything were, were like, we're, were and, and a lot of these people know the NFL and they know how it works a little bit to just stick up for him blindly after he eviscerated some human being that he doesn't know, you know, and, and certainly maybe doesn't know the total, you know, scope of the circumstances. I know he's got a good feel for it, but man, I, I just don't know what. Sean Payton was trying to do there for his football team. I love Sean Payton. You know that. I mean, he's arguably one of the greatest offensive minds in the history of football. But to, to me, this is like, you know, one, you make a mistake. But but after, like, you know, you've said two or three crazy things, you'd think you'd go, wait, I'm talking a little freely. Let me zoo, reel it back in a little bit. He just kept going. And that's where it's like. You know, I I think there was probably some tactical part of this for his football team, sticking up for his players, you know, maybe pointing out that it's so bad here. And yeah, sure, setting it up in case it doesn't go good. I pointed out how crappy it is and all that. But still, to throw another man under the bus that way, uh, that that to me is a no-no. And Sean Payton knows that. He wouldn't expect or like any of his players to do that to anybody or anything that that way. So good for Aaron Rodgers to take that upon himself and stick up for Nathaniel Hackett, who's you know done a lot of good for his career and all that. But yeah, I, to question Sean Payton's motives, I think is is a little fair in this one. Well, that's right, and it may have just been that he had no motive, that he had no plan, that Jarrett Bell just caught him at the absolute best time for Jarrett Bell of USA Today and the absolute worst time for Sean Payton where he was candid. And I first thought that when I saw all that, Sean Payton didn't realize he was on the record. 
That that's what I thought, thought. too. Now, I, exactly. He, he had a chance. He had a chance to say that on Friday. Right. And that gets into the broader relationship with the journalist. Am I going to throw this guy under the bus and say, hey, man, I wasn't on the record. Does he take some responsibility as a savvy head coach who was in the media last year to know when and where and how to go off the record? I mean, if any coach knows how to go yeah, and it what it means him. to be on or off the record, it would be him. It would be him. So maybe that was the mistake. Maybe the mistake was not saying off the record because that's the way plenty of journalists do it. It's a simple thing. You invoke the magic words, abracadabra, off the record as the subject of the interview. If they just sit down and Jarrett Bell turns on his phone or his tape recorder and and he starts talking, if Sean Payton doesn't say off the record... It's all on the record, no matter how outlandish or over the top it might yeah, be. And right. it was outlandish and over the top. I mean, and you're right. There's no reason to go on the record and say, or and, and I could see that some coaches just to vent off the record. Would sure. Just, just, they, okay. Just to, you know, we've seen yeah, that. I mean, you've hey, heard, hey, man, I mean, off the record, I mean, this was this place was yeah. a disaster last year. You yeah. know, that's yeah. all they had to yeah. say. That might have been the worst coaching job I've ever seen. And then they wouldn't have ever seen it. the NFL's ever seen. Right. Yeah. So he made yeah. it public. So, and then now it's like, is there a positive about it, too? You know, that's the thing. And, you know, hey, listen, I know we all want to jump on Nathaniel Hackett. I know some things he did were wrong, certainly, too. You know, but, but there's, there's more blame to go around in that organization, too, than just, you know, Nathaniel Hackett. Hey, you certainly can get on the GM who hired Nathaniel Hackett and probably, you know, uh, set some of these bylaws of the organization or let some of these things go on. Hey, Russell Wilson, he's still got a lot. You know, I know Sean Payton's sticking up for his players, and I give him a lot of respect there, and I love that he does that. Sean Payton's, I mean, Russell Wilson's got things to, 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 to own up to, too. He played like crap. I'm not saying he was coached the best ever, but he played like crap. There was people open. We saw that. It could have been better. I know it wasn't a lot of support around him. And they are too, you know, to add to this dysfunction, Russell Wilson knows better than to have an office and an entourage with him in the building. What quarterback has done that that's been successful? Did Tom Brady, you know, I mean, maybe after a few yes. Super Bowls, he got Don Yee in the building. Okay. <laughs> yes. That was it. But no, like, he, had, he had Alex Guerrero in the building. I mean, yeah, not Alex Guerrero, not as Don Yee. Excuse me. I get my names mixed up there. But yeah, I mean, Peyton Manning, a goat of all time. Do you think he had an office in the entourage there? John Elway, a goat of all time. Do you think he had an office in the entourage there? So there's plenty of blame to go around here. And, you know, I know Sean Payton's trying to stick up for his players, but I think he went overboard here to now where it's actually going to be a distraction and it's going to put a spot light more on his football team and him and especially week five when they played the New York Jets who are going to be highly motivated now to the extent that Sean Payton did that deliberately yeah as some way to prop up Russell Wilson and I don't believe it was deliberate I believe it was either accidentally on the record or just a mistake yeah as Payton said okay if it was some sort of a plan to prop up Russell Wilson man Russell Wilson's got some real issues if the only way he gets propped up is for Sean Payton to go on the record and say that the coaching job last year was arguably one of the worst in the history of the NFL and to take a flamethrower to everyone and absolve Russell Wilson for everything that happened last year, if that's what Russell Wilson needs to turn the page, like I said, Russell Wilson's got far bigger issues than we realize. Now, I don't believe it was deliberate. If it was deliberate, though, that's the implication that he's doing this strategically because this is the only way to get Russell Wilson to forget about last year. Go out there and dump all over Nathaniel Hackett and dump all over everyone else who didn't say anything about it. And I I just, I hate to think that that, that is something that was strategic. And this is where Peyton turned it back around on the team. That wasn't Russell's fault. That was the parents' who allowed it. That's not an incrimination on him, but an incrimination of the head coach, the GM, who's still there, the president, who's still there, and everybody else who watched it all happen, including ownership, who's still there. So that is what's crazy. And he said, having an office and a place to watch film is normal, but all these things are magnified when you're losing, and that other stuff, I've never heard of it, we're not doing that. And that he said that back during Super Bowl week. Remember, he had his first press conference when we were at Radio Row, and we're doing our show, and Peyton said, yeah, we're not going to have these personal coaches and personal trainers and personal this and personal that for Russell Wilson around. That's just not going to happen. And maybe Wilson's position was, nobody told me not to do it. Peyton's position is, 
anyone that had their fingerprints on this mess last year is to blame. And that was the most stunning part of it. He throws his GM, George Payton, under the bus. He throws team president, Damani Leach, under the bus. And he indirectly, without saying their names, throws ownership under the bus because they were there to see it happen, too. Yeah. And nobody said... And this may not be a good idea. I, I, I you know, I, if he wanted to throw them under the bus, that's fine. That's fine. You know, they're in his, you know, they're, they're part of his family right now. That's cool. But you went outside the family there. And that's where it was, it was wrong. You know, and it reads to the public, right? And to people in the NFL who I've, you know, texted with throughout the weekend and things like that, where it reads to them as, Kind of, yeah, maybe a, a preemptive excuse a little bit, or at least laying the foundation for how dysfunctional it is, let alone being careless and insensitive and just reckless that way. Even though, like, listen, it might have not been intended all those ways, like you said, and he just got too open with it. But those are the things that people are, are going to infer, 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 infer about. Uh, yes, those comments and what he said, and that that's where it's you know not necessarily a great look for for Sean Payton, and yeah, I do think in a way, a lot of ways now it puts a little bit more of a spotlight on them, and you know, like I said, they're going to have to deal with this Jets talk leading up to that game in a in a major way, and that is the prevailing view from everyone I've talked to as right, well. Right, that this was to yeah. the extent it was strategic and intentional. Yeah. This isn't about propping up any of his players. This isn't about helping Russell Wilson. This isn't about rallying the troops because all those things could have been said behind closed doors if that's what you're trying to do. This is, again, this is the, the prevailing wisdom or maybe lack thereof, but this is what everyone thinks. He sees a disaster coming, and he's staking out territory where he can say it was so bad last year. Yeah. Even What'd I you couldn't expect? turn this mess right. around in one year. Yeah. What do you expect? Right. And, you know, he, he made the comment to Jarrett Bell as well, I'm going to be mad if we don't make the playoffs. Have you checked your schedule? Have you checked the division you're assigned to? Have you looked around the rest of the conference because there are three wild card spots up for grabs for the people who don't win divisions? Do you really think in one year you're going to turn it around and get one of those with the Bills and the Dolphins and the Jets and the Patriots and the Bengals and the Ravens and who the hell knows what the Browns are going to be and the Steelers and the Jaguars and the Chiefs and the Chargers? Do you really think you're getting one of those seven seats this year? Of course not. It would be a shock. Hey, I'm not saying that they're definitely got no chance, but that's the idea. He feels that that it's coming, and this year is going to be maybe as bad as last year, if not worse. It's going to take time to dig out of that hole. That's his theory. That's his idea. The hole was so deep last year, it's going to take me multiple years to dig out of yeah. it. And he may have to get a new quarterback by the time he finally digs out of it. Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what he meant by this. I don't know if it was intentional. I don't know if it was you know intentional with, yeah, I got some reasons I want to say this. I don't know if it was just I'm sick of answering this damn question and sticking up for my guys and things are so messed up here. He just kind of lost his emotions and thoughts there a little bit and just let it free flow out of his mouth too easily. You know, I, I mean, Sean Payton, you and I both know, I know enough people that have worked under Sean Payton. I mean, he's, he's one of those psychos in a good way. He is. We know that. He does expect playoffs. He, he is that kind of coach. He's the guy that took over the New Orleans Saints and went to the NFC Championship game his first year as a head coach. I do think he's, you know, crazy enough, confident enough, cocky enough to think, hey, I don't care what division or whatever, we want to be in the playoffs. But what? Hey. And he and he took over after a true disaster. A true disaster. I mean, Katrina. that 2005 season right. was a complete and total mess. Katrina hits just before the season starts. They play their home games in Baton Rouge and and San Antonio, and and they they clear out everyone afterward. And in comes Sean Payton. And in the first year, they got to the NFC Championship game. So he's proven in the past he can have an immediate impact. Maybe he knows this year it's just not going to happen, that the odds are stacked against them, and he needed to stake out an excuse, assuming that there was a strategy at play. I just think he made a mistake. And I have a feeling there's a hell of a story behind how this all came to be. I just have a feeling that that, that may actually be the case, and maybe we'll find out what that story is one of these days. All right, uh, we got the full story on the new Aaron Rodgers contract. Somebody sent it to me on Saturday night, and I was confused because I didn't see anything about voidable years. I didn't see a two-year deal. I saw a seven-year contract. And we have the full breakdown at PFT. 
but there are no voidable years. It is a seven-year contract, and that's significant because they were making a big deal last week about the no-tag clause. He's got to be there seven years before they'd ever tag him. He's going to either retire, and the Jets will still have his rights, or they're going to release him, and he becomes a free agent after two or maybe three years. And the way that I read that contract, Chris, I think it's two years with the slim possibility of a third. The final four... That's just dummy stuff that's on there. Even without a void, it's clear. It's like a $20 million salary, year four, five, six, and seven each year. He's playing at the absolute most three years, but I think it's more likely it's going to be two years. And there is one device in there that caught my eye, and someone else said this to me as well. There's a $35 million option bonus that he has due in year three. I mean, in theory, if things go well and they win a Super Bowl the next couple of years— they could pay out that option bonus, and if he retires, they could choose not to recover it, and then he gets his $33.7 million back on the back end. Now, yeah. it would create a hell of a cap hit for the New York Jets, but I saw that $35 million option bonus just kind of sitting out there in year three, and I thought this is a hell of a way to give him his money back if he accomplishes the mission that he set out to pursue. Yeah, oh yeah, I mean that would be a that'd be a great way to do it. You know, either way, he he did the team a solid. I mean, 7 years, Mike, like what 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 they they're going to have some some money on the back end of this, right? If he gets out of this after 2 or 3 years, right? We talking like yes. kind of Drew Brees Saints type of money here where they're going to have to deal with that for a few years, but they're willing to pay that price tag or that premium to go get it right now. And then I'm I'm not mad at them for the, for doing that. Yeah, it's going to be if I recall correctly, there's going to be $49 million in earned but unallocated money if yeah. he plays only two seasons. Right. If they process the retirement after June 1 of 2025, then it would be a $14 million dead cap charge for 25 and $35 million for 26. They could take it all at once. They could take the $49 million all at once, but I doubt that they would do that. And if they do pick up that option bonus and he retires and they just don't pay him, or they just don't seek to get the money back. Right. It goes to like 21 and 63. I mean, that's why I can't imagine they just give him 35 million on the way out the door, given what it would do to their salary cap after he's gone. But regardless, either way, they're going to have a hell of a cap mess after he's gone. And that's part of the price of having a great, highly compensated quarterback. You try to keep the cap numbers low while he's there. And you just accept the fact that once he's gone, you're going to have a reset year, like the Buccaneers this year. Sure. $35 million in dead money for Tom Brady. You know that going in. We're going to have a year once this guy is gone where we're going to have our hands tied right. with the salary cap because we got to finally pay under the cap the the amounts that we've already stuffed into this guy's pockets. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're they're willing to take that gamble or, or deal with that when that time comes, that's for sure. And they got a, got a lot of young talent on their team. They're sitting in a spot right now where, you know, hey, they're sitting pretty. They've built something. Joe Douglas, you know, you look at their roster, it's impressive. The only thing we worried about or thought they needed was the quarterback. They got that fixed. And, uh, yeah, they're going to pay for it on the back end. But, you know, right now they're striking while the iron's hot, and I know neither one of us are mad at them uh, for doing that. By the way, real quickly, Garrett Wilson, who was the offensive player of the year last year, offensive rookie of the year, excuse me, for the uh, New York Jets, out of practice with a low ankle sprain. Not a high ankle sprain, a low ankle sprain. So hopefully that's nothing serious. When we return, Tyree Kill welcomes to the Miami Dolphins a former arch rival. We'll discuss that when this Monday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, The threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. For the world's greatest athletes. 
this is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world record again! Goal for the United States! Unbelievable! And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this! How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. I'll start with Joe. Um, calf strain, it'll take several weeks, and, and that's the information we got right now. Several weeks taken to the Several weeks to several weeks. The ultimate truth, several weeks is indeed several weeks. The Bengals. Somebody thought they were being humorous. Please stop calling and offering us your calf muscles. It doesn't work like that. I would be hard-pressed to find a single person who thought it did. But regardless, he has a calf strain. It could have been worse. He'll be back. He went down at practice late last week, and it gave everyone a scare. That's part of this preseason training camp. You're just constantly on the lookout for wherever lightning might strike and take a guy out. A key player out for the year, out for most of the year, changes everything about the team, about the team's chances, about the dynamics in a given division or conference, and you just don't know when and where and how it's going to happen. But it's going to happen. I remember... 1993, I was taking the West Virginia bar exam, and I saw that Terry Allen of the Vikings had torn his ACL reading the newspaper, and it was just like I'd taken a punch to the stomach, like you're constantly on the lookout for anything that may happen in training camp. You know, Chris, he had that sleeve on there. I know. And I just wonder what might have been pre-existing with that calf, because that's where he grabs, and that's where the injury is. So you don't wear that sleeve for a fashion statement. That sleeve's on there for a reason. I, I would think so, too. Yeah, I, I wondered the same thing, right? And that's not the same leg he hurt as far as ACL two years ago, right? That was the other leg, if I remember correctly. Or I, Plant leg. His yeah. plant leg got caved in. That's right. the same leg. Left right. leg. Oh, or right leg. No, yeah. so it's right leg. Right. right. Play that again so yes. we can see which leg the – the wrap is on. I think the wrap's on the right leg, so you're right. It would have been the left leg that had the ACL. Torn. Right, right. So he's wearing it on the right leg, but you're right. The sleeve is kind of curious. The, the injury is obviously significant. Listen, like, here's this where these are things that just jump out to me as an ex-player or whatever else. Right? You see guys sometimes that tweak a calf muscle. They don't go down. They're, now they walk gingerly right off right off the field. And, like, they can put a little pressure on it. But, like, oh, man, something went. I don't know. Ooh, ooh, ooh. This was like somebody shot me in the leg and I got to go down, which, tell, which was my first thing to go, hmm, this might be a little bit more than a tweak from Joe Burrow. Then the second thing is the clip we just played, right? I was having a conversation with somebody there. Oh, you know, calf muscles should be two to three weeks, right? I, you know, no, several. If they, if it was going to be two to three weeks, they would have said two to three weeks. That's a very common term. He'll be back in two to three weeks. Several weeks means four or more, in my opinion. And yeah, that's you know, that's that's tough. I I, I feel for Joe Burrow, who. Damn, can he get a normal offseason or training camp? Because this is, what, three or four in a row? He's had a weird one. And like we've talked about so much, it's just, hey, you know, I have a hard time believing he'll be hitting on all cylinders week one and playing his best football and the offense playing its best football. And that's tough in the AFC North, you know, or in the AFC in general. And that's where I, I feel for Burrow and the Bengals. Technically, several is defined as more than two, but not many. Again, right. that doesn't give us the clarity that anyone is looking for, but several weeks, that, that almost reminds me of the difference between day-to-day and week-to-week. We'll hear that throughout football season. Somebody's day-to-day, they could be back anytime. Week-to-week, well, we're just taking it one week at a time, and we'll assess where the guy is and what's happening, and I kind of feel like that's where they are with Joe Burrow. Yeah. And the key with a calf strain, any soft tissue injury, hamstring, whatever, I've had them. You just got to rest them, and you got to rest them longer than you think you need to rest them because – It'll still grab. It'll still pull. It, It'll still re-injure, even if you think you're fine, because you you don't get full speed until you're out there. 
and and put full pressure on it. So they need to be smart with this. And uh, if that means holding them out all the way until week one, so be it. If they have to yeah. go longer than week one, that's really where it becomes a question. Well, yeah, right, Mike? Right? I mean, to your point, too, I mean, if you get to the point where you're him, you're just like, well, I'm not going out in week one at all until I maybe get a new contract. Two, that's where the several comes in. You know, that, that, that to me is not a thing that's thrown out. Several is not one that's thrown out by a coach. It's usually a true timeline. Oh, this is injuries four to six weeks. This injuries two to three weeks. This one's week two weeks week several tells me that it's significant and that like you're saying they got to be careful and take this slow and you know we showed that list of him missing time and everything like that and they go yeah damn this is tough we know the Bengals; they're super bowl window ready right now can win the super bowl and they're in maybe the toughest division of football the toughest we've ever seen afc and we saw last year you know he had the appendectomy last year and he got off to a slow start he threw what five interceptions in week one against the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? And I know some of those were good plays by the Steelers. Week two, their offense still didn't look like itself. They lost to the Dallas Cowboys. It took them a little while to get going last year because Joe Burrow was not there and they weren't all in symmetry and working together the right way. And, you know, that's uh, what they're going to have to overcome and, and try to find ways to win some football games early on in the season. And that's good news for the Cleveland Browns, week one, the Ravens, week two, the Rams, week three, Monday night football, and then week four, they're at the Tennessee Titans. If it takes them a little while to get it going, that that just creates opportunities to maybe pick off a couple of victories against the Bengals that you otherwise would not have been able yeah. to manage. So, uh, look, we hope he heals quickly and he's back. We hope he gets his contract. He should definitely not set foot on a practice field or a game field until he has his contract. I think that's one very obvious takeaway from all of this. So let's hope they get all that taken care of. Calf gets healed. He comes back. It's not an issue. He can play at a high level because whether you're a Bengals fan or not a Bengals fan, I mean, we want to see the best players playing at a high level at all times. And then we'll see if the rest of the pieces around them can carry them to victory. But we want the best quarterbacks to be available. They make the games more exciting, especially down the stretch as teams are trying to either take the lead, hold the lead, break a tie, whatever the case may be. We want the best quarterbacks in those games to make them as exciting as they can be. All right. So a former Bengal, Eli Apple, who has a history with Tyree Kill, is now a teammate of Tyree Kills. Jalen Ramsey had lightning strike with a knee injury that required a full meniscus repair, and he's probably going to be out until December. They had to sign Eli Apple, who was available, and people are like, oh, wow, they got Eli Apple. It's like, yeah, but he was also available, folks. Let's not go crazy here. This isn't Deion Sanders in his prime. No disrespect to Eli Apple, but he was available in late July. Anybody could have signed him. Nobody had signed him. He was out there. The Dolphins got him, and now he reunites with Tyree Kill. And here's just a taste of some of the acrimony of the past between the now former or the now former rivals, current teammates, Tyreek Hill and Eli Apple. To who we play? Bengals. Looking forward to the challenge. It's going to be fun, you know, and I can't wait to go against Eli Apple, man. I owe you, boy. I owe you. I'm here. The cheetah is here. Oh, yeah, of course. His locker is literally right across the mine, so I saw him early in the day in the locker room, and we was chopping it up a little bit and uh, at the training breakfast table. And, yeah, we all good. It's all love. You know, we're on the same team, so all love. And I think it was all overplayed. I think Tyree Kill tries to weave a little of that pro wrestling stuff into it that he, he wants to entertain people. Are you not entertained? I mean, you could see him kind of morph into, you know, like like those old interviews that you'd see back when I used to watch pro wrestling and the guy would get all fired up and lathered up when they had a microphone in his face. I mean, he ultimately didn't care. He liked the guy. But it makes it exciting for the fans. And I think there was an element of that from Tyree Kill. And now that they're on the same team, yeah, you're on the same team. That's how pro sports or any sports work. You're on the same team. You have a different attitude about somebody than when you're not on the same team. Because you're competing with those other teams. So now they're on the same team. And apparently, Mike McDaniel, coach of the Dolphins, said yesterday they talked to Tyree Kill before they brought in Eli Apple. And it's good that Tyree Kill didn't say, I don't want that guy here. We need good players. And yeah, we may have had issues in the past when we were on different teams. But now you're my teammate. We are together in this. We're all working toward the same goal. Win games pursue a championship exactly right and and you know with, with professional sports players it, it it's not personal it, it more times than not it's really not it's about the competitive football field and it might sound personal and sound bites and with a microphone and all that 
but still, it's it's all in, in in a competitive nature and about wanting to show that guy up on the field. When you join forces, like you said, they get in here and go, hey, man, what's up? Oh, yeah, yeah, I used to talk crap. And he probably tells him, hey, I burned you in that game. And, you know, Eli Apple says something back, and boom, now we're working on the same team, and we go from there. You know, but good signing by the Miami, Miami Dolphins. I know, like you said, yeah, he's still out there in free agency, but we saw some other good players that are out there in free agency still. It's year eight of his NFL career. He was starting on the Cincinnati Bengals last year. You know, He's not Jalen Ramsey, but damn, this is a good supplement after the Jalen Ramsey injury. I feel bad for the Dolphins with the Ramsey injury, certainly. I mean, that, that, he is, of course, you know, a top-tier secondary player in football and can do a lot of different things on that Vic Fangio defense, but if this was to happen, you know, Eli Apple certainly helped that group out. That's still a very strong secondary there in Miami. I think one of the other realities, too, is because of free agency and the salary cap, guys move around like never before. Exactly. With the sensitivity to health and safety, there's a greater sense of brotherhood that goes beyond the boundaries of a given locker room. They all understand we're in this together. We are all out here trying to earn a living play the sport that we love but also take care of each other and especially if you're on my team now it's not going to be like it would have been if all of a sudden you know a member of the eagles had joined the giants back during your dad's career right? no that was I mean, now, where it could have been everybody more understands personal. right right yeah now yeah. they're now they're at events together you're at camps together you're at this together you know, I mean, I feel like half the NFL lives in South Florida now in the offseason anyways. So you're right. It's just a small world, and it's a different world now with free agency, recruiting in college, everything. You run into players and rivals a whole lot more, and it's not nearly as personal as, yeah, like you're saying, back in the old days in the 70s and 80s when it was the same guys on the same teams year after year after year. When we return, Bills quarterback Josh Allen tells Peter King how Allen is – self-scouting himself 2023 (laughs) approaches we'll do that next here on pft live bryce young Uh Uh uh-oh off he went that's it (laughs) you know what you know what i mean did Bryce Young really need to crouch down? I just, I mean, uh, I mean, love, love. doing I mean, a nice thing for kids, and here I, you go. No, but I mean, you want to try to get eye to eye. When you crouch down, you're not eye to eye with that little. I'm just saying. Look, and I think Bryce Young is going to be great. And I think, and I was sold on this by Scott Fitter, the GM of the Panthers. They believe he's going to know how to to operate when he has Calais Campbell, who's a foot taller and 100 pounds heavier across from him, that he's got the smarts. He's got that football IQ to not get himself thrown around. I hope he does great. I hope he's rookie of the year, uh, along with Anthony Richardson and all the other great young players in the NFL. I hope they all have great seasons. But, uh, uh, yeah, the, the kid the kid said, okay, I've had enough of you. I'm gone. He, he got what he right. wanted. He's like, all right, I'm done with you. I have no more use for you. But it was a great reaction by Bryce Young, who – there's no question and, he's and charismatic shades, and, and got a great way about him. Shades of last year when Peter King inadvertently snubbed Josh Allen after Peter interviewed him at Bill's training camp. Here is some of this year's Peter King interview with Josh Allen. The topic improving on what was a rough 2022 season for Josh Allen and the Bills. Situational football, just understanding the game a little bit better, you know, that's no secret. I led the league in interceptions last year. So just understanding when when not to be as aggressive on the football field. I know there's going to be times where they're going to have to be. If you're down two scores late in the game, you got to make something happen. Um, but if it's not, you know, let's, let's learn to live to fight another down. And, you know, there's a stat last year. I, don't, I, I forget if we were first, second, or third, but we were very high in, in uh, possessions ending in points. And if you factor that in and take out maybe half the turnovers, you know, it just kind of shows how good we can be. So taking that upon myself, being smarter with the football and uh, trying to let these playmakers make some plays for us. Do you find any commonality when you look back at the end of the year in this offseason in your six red zone interceptions? You've never been a red zone interception guy. Coincidence or was there a problem? Um, I mean, I think there was, you know, a couple bad decisions. Um, there was a couple times that I've, I've gotten away with things in the past when I've, you know, rolled right and thrown back left. And 
again, just understanding when and when I can't do those things, and um, maybe one or two tips in there, which are those are going to happen. If if I can live with the tip picks, I can live with maybe a bad ball here or there. It's it's really the mental interceptions where it's like, why did I why did I throw this ball? So, making sure I'm deep diving back into you know the last few years of, of my red zone career and. Because um, I, I take pride in that, you know. Before before this last season, I was really really good in the red zone. So just trying to find a way to get back to that, and again, being the the best quarterback that I can be for this team. You know, and that is the key when you have a high degree of physical skills, knowing where the limits of those skills are, and yeah. not to push beyond what you're capable of doing. Right. And he can do so much; it's hard to know where that line is. And also, he's a little too hard on himself. He didn't lead the league. Right, interceptions last year, but but he may he may think he did, but he didn't. Another thing too, if he were to golf with Tom Brady right now, Brady could not make the fat jokes that he made last year. Not that they were appropriate or accurate a year ago, but we noticed this. I think when he was like taking batting practice somewhere, we yeah. saw him somewhere earlier this offseason. Yeah. We're like, it's more tone. This guy's this guy's getting the the Superman physique as he gets ready. For the 2023 season. Yeah, it definitely looks like he's a little more trim or in shape or muscular or something. There's definitely a different look to him. I agree with you there, right? It's one of the things I love about Josh Allen and, and knowing this, just being around him a little bit is he's, he's, in, he's incredibly self-deprecating. That's why like, he goes into, I led the league in interceptions. He's probably telling himself that he's pissed at it. You know, it's extremely smart individual. We know that, but you know, like you said, it's it's a it's a combination of things here. You know, one, there's a lot on him. He is the biggest playmaker and maybe like we've talked about when I did my quarterback rankings, I don't know if there's any team in football that's more dependent on their quarterback making outstanding plays than the Buffalo Bills and what they expect from Josh Allen. And, you know, to what you said too, Mike, you know, like when you have that type of talent, it, it's you can lose control a little bit. We saw two years ago, the year the Chiefs lost to the, the, the Cincinnati Bengals in the in AFC Championship. Mahomes, he kind of went through that struggle there early in the year when they were, what, 3-3 three and three at one point and all that. He was making some dumb decisions, and you were going, what? what are you doing? Why would you throw that? When you're so great and you can do such extraordinary things, you kind of always expect to, and he's got to just dial it back and reel it in a little bit there. Yeah, some mistakes are going to happen, but he had some ones yet last year where you went, wait, we, we hadn't seen you do this until since rookie year that was rookie year Josh Allen and uh, I know that's bothered him and I'm, I'm sure he'll get them fixed what do you think of and I'm going to throw a curveball at you here. yeah I saw this over the weekend Ben Volan of the Boston Globe had the story Sean McDermott the Bills coach has put up at the team's indoor practice facility a giant banner of a Lombardi trophy between one of the goalposts so they can see all year long what the goal is. They don't own a Lombardi trophy. They haven't been to a Super Bowl in 30 years. Last year, they were the Super Bowl favorite as the season began. I thought it was too much pressure to put on any team that hasn't been to a Super Bowl in 29 years at the time. What do you think of that Lombardi trophy being there all the time as a reminder of the Bills as to what it is they're trying to accomplish? I, you know, I, I like it. I got no problem with that. You know, Every team's got to find their their mantra, their saying, whatever they're going to get, get, you know, get them motivated for the year. The Bills, like you, you've discussed a lot this offseason. You know, that's, that's really all they want. They need to knock down the door and get to that game right there. You know, and, and last year, Mike, I could speak to it, and, and I think you'll remember being up there at training camp, you know, when they were preparing to play the Rams and there, you know, they were embracing the Super Bowl conversation. You know, there was an energy and a feel up there where I went, ooh, they, they're, they, they want this. They're ready to go. I mean, it was palpable. You could feel it on the practice field, right? Now, it didn't happen, and it was a tough year. I think we both agree that I don't know if there's a team here in recent history that had to deal with more off-the-field, curveball circumstances than the Buffalo Bills last year, and I think it ultimately wore them out. You know, But, then there's still a lot of good there. And I like this as a little, you know, the old hot poker to remind everybody. Those are the kind of things, Mike, you know, whether it's a cool saying, a picture, whatever, that gets guys to stay on the field for a few minutes after practice. And let me do that. Damn, there's that Super Bowl, whatever. And it just always stays in your brain, and that's why I like it. Or maybe speaks to the better angels of some players who might be inclined to get frustrated, might be inclined to gesticulate ah, on the ah, sideline if the yeah. game isn't going the way they like, to hold him in place 
Here's what we're trying to do. Let's hold it together. There's going to be ups and downs and highs and lows. There's going to be frustrations. There's going to be moments where we want to allow our emotions to get the better of us. We have to forget about that and look what's between those goalposts. That's what we have to focus on. So I think he wants It'll to do burn that it too, into their sure. brains. Yeah. And, and, and the first thing I thought is this is the way to try to get the whole Stefan Diggs stuff behind them. And Diggs was great last week when he met with the media. But it doesn't change the fact that what happened happened and all the cryptic tweets and everything that went down and we saw what occurred in the playoff game. I think that they know that there's going to be those moments and they need to try to just keep everybody focused on what they're trying to do. And we'll see if it works. Their team is good enough to do it. The problem is there's, you know, five or six other teams good enough to do it as well just in their conference. Right. And there's two or three others in the other conference that are good enough to do it too. I mean, it's going to be a hell of a ride. I mean, I we still have a few weeks to go until we make our predictions, and the Bills will be in the mix. But, man, it's whoever wins it this year will have earned it, Chris. Yeah, uh, the, there's no doubt about that. And like we've talked about, I mean, the only team I'm willing to cancel out in the AFC in general is the Houston Texans. I mean, as far as everybody else, I go – they got a chance. I could see, you know, playoffs at least for sure. And then, like you said, there's a handful of teams, maybe more than ever, that you look at and go, ooh, I truly think they have Super Bowl potential. And I don't remember the AFC or the NFC having that many teams uh, that, that you could think of that way going into a season. And by the way, you can see more of Peter King's training camp tour videos at youtube.com slash NFL on NBC Bills Jets Steelers Lions phase one he'll be as I said earlier all over the place as week one approaches all right let's play a little fact or fluke as it relates to some statistical realities maybe anomalies from the past football season we'll start with Dak Prescott the guy who actually had the most interceptions in the NFL last year with 15 there's been a lot of talk about Fixing that, a lot of tip balls, a lot of issues there. Question is where Dak fits among the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Do you think he's going to be able to show that last year was a fluke? He had 10 in 2021, 50% increase last year. Where do you think it goes this year? I'm going to say that it, it, it's fluke, that you know, last year was fluky. It, it's too big of a talking point. You know, first off, to think that like Dak Prescott's going to be focused on taking care of the ball better. You know, I, I think this is a subject, you know, I think what makes it bad last year is Dak did it in some really big moments that that was a big thing. And then he didn't even play the full slate of the schedule and he still led the NFL in the interceptions. And that's where, yeah, the, the rubber's got to meet the road there. He's got to be, be better, right, for what he is, what he's being paid, the Dallas Cowboys, what they're expecting out of him. He knows that, too. But, but at the same time, I don't want it to go down to, like, six or seven. I know that. Like, you've heard me say. You know, the, 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 there's a point where you go, wait, that's too careful, and you're doing an injustice to your team. Yeah, great, you threw an Aaron Rodgers. It's Aaron right, Rodgers. Right. Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs, right. being too careful. Yeah, the team that the, – the, the guy that led the intercept, the league in interceptions two years ago won the Super Bowl, you know, to the point of that, and, and Matthew Stafford. So there is a fine line of aggressive and reckless, and Dak Prescott's just got to get a little bit better in that department. I just think it's important not to even let it get in your head because yeah. you don't want to be holding back. Hey, that guy's open. You know, last year I would have made the throw. This year I'm not going to make the yeah, throw. Right. Maybe I'm exactly. going to run it and I get myself injured while I run it because I didn't want to throw it because I didn't want another interception to give all the trolls out there talking points. You just have to forget about it. You can't think about it. Just go play the game and whatever happens with the interceptions happens. That's the key. And I feel like there's been so much discussion about it. it's going to be a real challenge for Dak Prescott to put it behind him. I tend to agree with you, though. Let's call it a fluke, but if it goes too far the other way, it may hurt the rest of the offense. Geno Smith had an NFL high 69.2 completion percentage last season. Is that fact or is that fluke? I, I think that's fact. I, I mean, again, I'm not saying that he's definitely going to go for 69.2 again or 71, but I think he's going to be right there in that ballpark. Right? You know, I mean, I don't expect it to fall off. If he throws for 67.8% or whatever, I'll look at it to be, you know, the same type of year. You know, so that's where I, I look at this and go, no, Geno Smith's talent is real. It is. And the Seattle Seahawks, to me, are one of those teams like where we look at in the NFC right now, we know who the big three are. We all know. Yeah, the Eagles are king. You know, the 49ers are second. And then you got the Cowboys. Who's that fourth team 
Seattle's one of those teams I look at to go, mm, they could be that fourth team. With that guy at quarterback, those receivers, the young offensive line, the running backs they got, what they're doing on defense, I think Seattle's the type of team in Geno Smith. I, I think this is fact. I think they could be a real pain in the butt this year for teams in the NFC. And big difference. No open competition this year for That's the quarterback right. job in Seattle. He's so he's not having his reps diluted. He's going to be more prepared for week one than he was last year. Psychologically, it's going to be a different vibe. He's got the big contract, although we all know it's a one-year deal if the Seahawks want it to be. And Drew Locke is back. I mean, so Drew Locke is still pushing him. And we know from experience, look at what they did back in 2012 when Matt Flynn got all the money and Russell Wilson was the backup. They went with Russell Wilson. So, you know, if by some fluke, and I think it would be a fluke, Geno Smith would would crater in his performances and Drew Locke would rise past him, Pete Carroll will not hesitate no. to put Drew Locke under center if it comes down to it. So that puts more pressure. Even though Geno Smith is quote-unquote proven relative to the last year, I think he still feels like he has things to prove, agree with which will that. make him more likely to have yeah. a big year. Yeah, agree with that. He, he can't feel warm and cozy. And like we talked about with his contract when he signed that early in the offseason, it's basically a one-year deal with some fluff. So, yeah, he better be on his P's and Q's and cross his T's and dot his I's and do all that. And, of course, there's, there's, there's expectations there. With Jackson Smith and Jigba, DK Metcalf, a Tyler Lockett, and, you know, Kenneth Walker at, at running back, then, yeah, you've got ooh, some explosive people right there, and we're going to be expecting some explosive plays and some big offense from Seattle. And, yeah, I think Geno will, will take off right where he left off last year. Boy, for a team that, that made its way with defense and running game, they're loaded at receiver. Yes, and, they and are. And they love Jackson Smith and Jigba. And if he has the kind of impact that, you know, see, you see some of the quotes coming out of camp and all the things he can do, and he can do it all. Tyler Lockett was gushing about him the, the other day. The buzz is there. That is a hell of a trio. Yeah. That is a hell of a trio. And there's yeah. always that guy every year. Right. And there's more than one. But there are guys where there's that buzz. Yeah. And there's definitely buzz with him. Yeah. And that would be huge. Huge. What it would do for that passing game, what it would do for that team. And you're right. They're in that cut just below 49ers and Eagles. And injuries... You know, something happens here, something happens there. You win a game you shouldn't have won. You lose a game you shouldn't have lost. And the next thing you know, the Seahawks are in position to maybe even win the division. Or maybe it comes down to week 18 like it did a couple of years ago when yeah. it was Seahawks 49ers on Sunday Night Football to wrap the year. All right, let's take a break. When we return, the Vikings were going to trade Daniil Hunter unless they weren't. And they didn't. We'll discuss that next year on PFT Live. Politicians kiss babies, pro quarterbacks sign babies. There it is. That's funny. That's great. Be careful, that thing is loaded. Uh, seriously. You put your hand there, man. You gotta ask a question. Yeah, careful. Has she been careful. changed? <laughs> careful. Yeah, you know, my son, when he was that size, uh, there was he had a very ticklish spot and it was great to hear him laugh, uh, but it was very close to getting yourself in a position where you might have something on your thumb, and one time I did, and that was the last time I tried to tickle him. <laughs> That's great. Guy, okay. So. Thank you. Uh, so uh, Justin Fields signs a baby, and uh, Justin Fields, who knows? Thumbs are clean. On his way to having yeah. a great third season. All right, so um, in that same division, NFC North, there had been so much strangeness between the Vikings and Daniil Hunter. Now, look, he was due to make $5.5 million this year, and I don't know how that ever came to be. They reconfigured his contract last year. Why in the world did they leave a salary of $5.5 million? For, I mean, for a, a great pass rusher, it's an insult. So it felt like he didn't want to be there. It felt like they were going to trade him. He had been holding in. He hadn't been practicing. Coach Kevin O'Connell had been talking about it. And then a report emerged on Saturday that they'd been trying to trade him. And then, boom, out of nowhere, they work out a one-year deal. $17 million guaranteed, earns up to $20 million, gets an $11.5 million raise at a minimum, and the new deal prevents the Vikings from tagging him next year. So it's one year, and then he hits the market, and we'll see what another team might do when one of the great pass rushers in the NFL suddenly becomes available. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, first off, you know, like you're saying, it was egregiously low, right? Now, like low probably because, yeah, he was coming off an injury where – 
you know, going into last year, we weren't sure if, like, Daniel Hunter was ever going to be the same, right, Mike? I mean, had neck, had some things going on where we're going, I don't know. I mean, is he going to be career-altering? Is that the case? Right, so maybe that's why they, you know, got on that number there. But either way, he outperformed that, and and you know, was arguably the best pass rusher on your football team last year. And you look at your team in general too, there in Minnesota. And yeah, it's your team there, Mike Florio. You just went, damn. Without Daniel Hunter, that defense would would you know scare me in in in, in a not good way. Right? I mean, we've talked about this a little bit. Marcus Davenport, they signed him in free agency. That's a good player, but he's had injury issues. Man, he gets hurt week two or three and is out for a significant amount of time, and you have no Daniil Hunter on the roster? Damn that. They're, they're never going to get pressure on the quarterback. I mean, poor Brian Flores, the new D coordinator there, he'll have nobody. So this gives them something there and, yeah, gives, you know, Daniel Hunter the, the pay he deserves and we'll see if he can capitalize that and, and make it into a long-term deal somewhere, maybe the Vikings next year, but somewhere nonetheless. At one point, he was on Hall of Fame trajectory. He had more sacks than anyone before their 25th birthday, but it was after the 2019 season. Remember 2020 had a weird neck thing? Yeah, and Mike the Zimmer, neck the coach one was scary. Kind of downplayed it. Right. Didn't play at all in 2020. Seven games in 21, but he started all games last year, 17 games with 10 and a half sacks. So that defense was not very good with him. It would have been a lot worse exactly. without him. So it's good for them to have worked it out for 2023. And who knows, maybe after the season, they'll decide to do a long-term deal and he sticks around. When we return, the new Washington owners can do no wrong, but are they heading toward what could be their first mistake? More PFT Live right after this. After Josh Harris purchased the Washington Commanders, there there emerged a new habit of him and other members of the ownership group using the old name, the one that was abandoned three years ago because it had become, over time, a dictionary-defined slur. Ron Rivera, the coach of the Commanders, was asked over the weekend about this dynamic that all of a sudden that name is being used again. Ron Rivera justified it as a reference to the days gone by and... Just so everybody knows, we do that with the utmost respect for the Native tribes and for the American Indian. Any time that name is brought up, it is brought up with the utmost of respect. And look, I I have to do justice to my status as a top five conspiracy theorist in the NFL, Howie Roseman. But I I think they're floating a trial balloon to see if they can. A hundred percent. Yes. That if they can go back. Right. That they can go back to that name. Yes. Because I had somebody point out to me over the weekend, somebody from one of the other teams, it's like, you know, if it hadn't been Daniel Snyder, would there have been such a push to change the name? And my reaction is yes. I mean, a slur is a slur. And maybe if Daniel Snyder wasn't so reviled, maybe it wouldn't have coalesced. I don't know. Yeah, right. But I feel like they want to see what the reaction is, and then they want to explore the possibility of going back to that name at some point down the road. What it's definitely done, it's dusted off the the, the folks out there that yeah. never wanted to change the name in the first place. Right. And they're very right. aggressive, and they're, they're putting false statistics out there to support their position, but they are back on the horse for the name to come back, and they sense an opening, and I feel like they're just exploring. Just throw it out there and see how people react, and maybe, maybe that's just an option that we can turn to down the road. Right. No, I, I'm, I'm with you 100%, right? I was just going to refer to this tweet that I, I saw that from Magic Johnson, too. It was the first thing that went off on my brain was, you know, was this a tactical, let me throw the word Redskins into this tweet and let's gauge the temperature here. Is this going to upset people? Or are people going to be like, hey, let's bring back the, the old team name, whatever? You know, one, I mean, listen, I know Ron Rivera, and it, it is the utmost respect. Uh, I I wish they could bring back the old emblem and the way their uniform looks, 100%. But they can't do it with that name. It's just different. It's derogatory. It's one thing like, hey, the Chiefs, okay. The Chiefs, it's, it's more about a positive symbol in the Native American culture. The, this This word is not positive. So if they can find a new word that maybe pays tribute, or homage to the great Native Americans of our of our country's past, that's great. But it ain't going to be cool with the R word. It ain't going to be cool. And one of the things that gets lost in all this, as the folks who want that to be the name start pushing and pushing for it, the National Congress of American Indians 
was clearly and loudly against it for decades. The Oneida Nation was clearly and loudly against it for decades. They think it's just non-natives telling natives what they should be offended by. Native Americans were and are offended by that term. And so you're going to have to undo that That's if right. you're ever going to bring that name back. Right. And I don't think it's ever going to happen. But I do think they're throwing it out there to see what the reaction is. Because if anybody can pull it off, it's Magic Johnson. That's a magic trick that only magic can pull off. We've got to take a break. More PFT Live right after this. Training camp means training camp fights, and Travis Kelsey has been mixing it up. He did it on Friday, and then on Saturday, after he makes a catch at the back of the end zone, a little effort to get the ball out, and Travis says, boom, take that, boom. He said afterward that he needs to be a better teammate and he's got to be a better leader, but, you know, that's what happens, Chris. Emotions get flowing. The juices are flowing. It's hard. It's hard. Now's the time to learn how to rein it in right now's the time in practice so you don't do it during a game and get yourself no, kicked it out. is it is it's just you know after a few days yeah you get tired you're waking up early the days are long you're out in the hot sun all day long and yeah the emotions got the best of kelsey a few times he'll be all right that's it for today enjoy your monday we'll see you back here on tuesday see ya the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well so set a limit when you gamble and stick to it want more helpful tips like this go to keep for games quizzes and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand